we've been starting to do like a daily support indie film challenge where it's basically search the hashtag, pick five filmmakers that are using it and retweet. Right. And the the snowball effect is that, you know, on Sundays especially, because we call it support indie film Sunday, but we do it every day and we think everyone should do it every day. Yeah is just retweet a couple people. I mean, even if you're campaigning yourself, the idea of social media, and a lot of people don't get it, is social media is not about tooting your own horn. Social media is about being social. So if I retweet you, you retweet me. Right. And it's the old fashioned adage of, if I scratch your back, you scratch my back. You're collecting fans with every job you do. No matter how big or small that job is, you're collecting fans on social media. And this can really pay off in the long run. We're a documentary I like to think of like a wave. You know, you, you have an idea, you know, you have a thesis you're going to try to go with, the research, the content, but but you let the content take you where it's going to go. And it's like you really try to kind of ride that wave into something that's going to take you to be a good steward to the content. I had, or I still have, a massive crash, a massive celebrity crash. Uh-oh. On, oh, and... <laughs> Well, apart from you, Max, I'm oh, telling you right on. now, but whoa. that's a different story. Oh my, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Oh my. <laughs> we're going to pause this session, folks, and we'll be back later. <laughs> no, sorry, that's, that's on another show, but yeah, sorry for that. <laughs> uh, God, you got blushing over here. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a massive crush on. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole, and I'm the host and the producer of this show, and I am broadcasting from the entertainment capital of the world, sunny Los Angeles, California. The sun has set, and the moonlight is now upon us. Thanks so much for joining me on this broadcast tonight. I want to remind all of you that you can listen to all the episodes of this show if you subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Remember, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, make sure you reach out to me via the contact link on our website over at cinemaafterdark.com. Just make sure you have some skin in the game prior to reaching out. And by skin in the game, you certainly need to have a few credits under your belt. We value that for credibility. Also strongly encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark for the latest show updates. I want to remind everyone listening that this is an information and discussion-based show. We do not censor ourselves, and we certainly... Do not censor our guests. Keep in mind that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the host. Got an excellent guest tonight for you, a man by the name of Vincent Vittorio. And let me tell you a little bit about Mr. Vittorio. Vincent Vittorio is the founder of Life Is My Movie Entertainment, a company built on his ambition to elevate the documentary genre through visionary means of development, production, and distribution. Under Vincent's leadership, Life Is My Movie Entertainment continues to grow as he has assembled a team of vested partners to facilitate the influx of interest from filmmakers, collaborators, and audiences interested in his company. As an innovative collaborator, Vincent's contagious leadership style creates a skin-in-the-game, something I like to say on this show, atmosphere of total teamwork and mutual respect. Vincent has been featured as a speaker at colleges and universities nationwide and has been a featured guest on Bloomberg, CBS, Fox Business, MSNBC, C-SPAN, Huffington Post Live, and Fox News, among others. 
Vincent's belief and the stirring power of documentary, coupled by his dedication to maintaining integrity in nonfiction storytelling, have set the table for exponential growth in the years ahead. His mission is simple, to grow Life Is My Movie Entertainment into one of the most respected names in the independent industry. As a graduate of the University of Florida, Vincent earned a Bachelor's of Science in Journalism with an emphasis in telecommunications production, as well as a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in English with a concentration of film and media studies. His projects include A Different Mind, An Inconvenient Tax, American-Made Movie, Incarcerating Us, Football Factory, Nerd Prom, One Day in April, Pez Heads, The Movie, Rise of the Warrior Cop, Road to Rio, The Nuclear Option, The True Cost, Unforgotten 24, and Warehoused. My goodness, what a wonderful discussion this is. I'm looking forward to sharing this with all of you. Vincent is a unique fellow, someone who's very, very passionate about what he's doing over there, and his company is just doing some outstanding work. So looking forward to sharing this particular discussion with you. And first-time listeners and long-time listeners, this is that part of the show, and you know what it is. Make that fresh batch of popcorn, sit back, relax, and get comfortable while you listen to tonight's guest. Uh, Welcome to the Cinema After Dark podcast here, sir. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming on the show and hanging out with us today, Vincent. I am uh, excited to have you on the program. I was telling you off air that I'm really thrilled and want to give a shout out to Stuart for uh, you know reaching out and facilitating this discussion. But sir, I also kind of want to give a shout out to your team. You have got a really number of talented individuals uh, and invested uh, partners there under uh, your company that I want to give a shout out as well, because I know that uh, teamwork certainly makes the dream work. And if they're listening to this podcast, you guys are doing an awesome job over there. And I just wanted to give them a shout out too as well. But it's a pleasure to have you here tonight. No, thanks so much, Max. I really appreciate it. Uh, I was looking forward to this all day today. So yeah. thanks for thanks for having me on. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a treat. And gosh, let's jump right in because we've got much to discuss here. And I'd love to start by kind of giving our listeners some context. Would you mind sharing where you were born and raised and really how you got started in the entertainment industry? No. So I, I was born in uh, Miami, Florida, um, spent time throughout the Southeast in uh, um, Tampa, and then moved up to uh, Georgia, where I did my, I guess, adolescence, and then studied at the University of Florida, studied film and media studies, as well as journalism, and kind of had that, you know, mix of storytelling and more of the creative sense and, you know, narrative world. And then also just really being intrigued by the power of journalism when done right. So through that, I ended up going to graduate school at Savannah College of Art and Design, um, as well as doing some studies for screenwriting uh, in Kentucky and Louisville. So, but all of that, as everyone knows, specifically in the space, it's so much more about kind of what you do and what you make of it. And those really shaped everything to build me into the producer I am today. So that's quite remarkable. What was the point you realized you really wanted to do this professionally though was it you know just your experiences with the uh, the creative uh, you know education that you 
had? What were you always the, a movie guy? Well, you know, it's it, it's an interesting story. I was I was always kind of more of that imaginative type of person that was always trying to like go into these other worlds and like you know live these stories out and kind of pretend and things. And that was that was younger days. And then I I got to a point where I I guess it was like very early like elementary school realizing kind of the power of like broadcast journalism, like those morning announcements and. There was something strange about the influence you feel like you could have on people by sharing information with them mm, yeah. and kind of bringing them to another spot. You know, it's a it's a crazy story. But when I was in high school, I had moved to Georgia from Florida and it was a little bit of a, a culture shock because I was going from an area that was, you know, very diverse and open thinking. Mm, yeah. And then I moved to like Georgia where, I mean, some of the ideas were a little more restricted I remember being very fascinated by some of the history of um, Martin Luther King. And I remember like doing a lot of the morning announcement stuff for the march. And it was interesting because there was a student in one of my classes that I always kind of overheard making comments and saying stuff about how like this isn't a holiday for him and all these other things. And I realized that he actually had a sister that was in school that was special. She had a disability, a physical disability. Mm-hmm. And so I took it upon myself to use that as a vehicle to put that information into one of the morning announcement pieces, specifically about Dr. Martin Luther King. Oh, yeah. And and I remember that moment of like sitting there and seeing his response to it of saying, you know, thanks, that was a great job. I never really realized that. And it's that moment where like the power of storytelling, the power of information, it can be used in the wrong way, but it can be used in the right way when you bring someone to something that, you know, they really didn't understand because they didn't look past the headline or they didn't look past kind of that, that very like, you know, general thesis. And I think that's what really got me in motion to think that like, there's something within the element of like storytelling in the nonfiction space. And then when I got to college, I kind of was a little like rubbed the wrong way, right? As 9-11 was happening right. with journalism just really falling apart. And it's being, you know, I, I just, I didn't feel like it was, it was the direction I wanted to go. Oh, I hear you. And man. it's becoming more agenda driven and politics driven and party driven, I should say. <laughs> just, yeah. Exactly. I mean, right. it, it could be used for the right or wrong reason. It's, 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 it's so important to not. So. So yeah, that, that's kind of really what, what got me into that space of really thinking like nonfiction storytelling documentaries is something I, I, I really believe strongly in as a, as a genre and just the power you have to like bring people to particular, um, you know, pieces of information where they're, you know, wanting to know more or opening their eyes to something, pulling back a, a veil, if you will. Absolutely. I love documentary films. They're really one of my favorite genres to watch. It's funny because that's kind of evolved over the years. I've you know, I think as a storyteller myself, it's it's certainly an area that interests me, particularly from an educational standpoint, too. And just a storytelling standpoint, you get those raw stories that uh, are also very meaningful and uh, timely. I would say a lot of the stories and the content is so timely and necessary. Uh, it's just the, the whole idea of visual storytelling and journalism. It's, it's so important and so interesting uh, how uh documentary filmmakers and producers are, are making these uh, stories and bringing light to some of these stories, making them come to life. It's fascinates me. And I kind of want to talk about the role of a documentary producer because, you know, I think there's some folks that might be listening to this podcast that might not understand the role of a producer in general, but particularly as it applies to documentary filmmaking, obviously producers have many different roles. 
you know, depending on the project and there are different types of producers. Would you mind kind of informing our listeners you know, about your role and how you got involved in the actual production producer process, you know? No, no. D- from the beginning. Definitely. Thing, that's, that's something I think people may not be quite aware of with the role of a producer and and now it applies to documentaries. No, I, I think, you know, to start with that, like documentaries really are in this like, you know, renaissance period of sorts where there's there's kind of a new respect for things. And it's not just sometimes that educational content. It's the emotional connection to where it's bringing you through something yeah. and helping you kind of have a better understanding. But to the point of kind of the role of some of what these titles mean, I think that, you know, from a certain standpoint, it's it's interesting because we look at you know, uh, documentary filmmaking. And in that space, every film is unique. I mean, there's certain films where as a producer, I had a particular role and then another film where I'm a director and my role was changed much differently from, you know, the people that were a part of that, you know, collaborative process. And so I think it really depends on the type of documentary, but, you know, specifically depending upon what the budgets are and how big the team is, I'd like to say in a documentary, unlike a narrative space, while the roles do bleed over, the Mm, producer and the director work much closer together to help kind of ride that wave, if you will, of what the documentary is becoming. I mean, I think the one real big distinction between a documentary and a narrative film to me, which I always, you know, uh, laugh about is, you know, you, you think of the, the script and the, you know, the, the, the scheduling and the breakdown. And I mean, you're essentially creating every last detail of how this is going to come together. Right. And right. you call the shots and outside of things going wrong, which always do on independent films, <laughs> it's, 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 it's really, you know, you're, you're the boss, you know, what's going to go there. We're, we're a documentary. I like to think of like a wave, mm, you know, yeah. you, you have an idea, you, you, you know, you have a thesis, you're going to try to go with the research, the, the, the content, but but you let the content take you where it's going to go. And it's like, you really try to kind of ride that wave into something that's going to take you to be a good steward to the content. You know, a specific example is one we have that I'm sure we'll talk about later on prisoner form that when we first started, you know, the the research and development side of things, it was a completely different film than what it ended up being. Mm, And I think that it's a part of that process that you see that. So for my role and, and, and what I've, predominantly do as the CEO of the company is, um, you know, I, I really just try to make sure that kind of the, the projects that we're taking on have either a, a dedicated audience that, you know, wants to see them if it's something that's, that's niche content or, or things that are, are kind of maybe storytelling in the way of kind of a character journey or something like that. Or it's a topic that I feel like hasn't been addressed in this way mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. we're hoping to give people a little bit of information so that they're going to ask, you know, more questions that go beyond this and kind of begin to have a conversation about something they thought they understood. And let's talk about the company you created, Life is My Movie Entertainment. You've produced several, I mean, several outstanding films, Incarcerating Us, One Day in April, The True Cost, Nerd Prom, An Inconvenient Tax, American Made Movie, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. It's just fantastic, the work that you've done. And I've noticed that many of your films have an interesting political connection to them. So I have to ask you, you know, what was the inspiration, one, behind creating your company? Because you have a specific vision in mind. Definitely. I think that, uh, you know, with, with Life is My Movie Entertainment, my main goal was always about 
making content that I feel like were ideas that were all around us in the nonfiction space and maybe haven't been brought to life. And I think that there's so many stories and so many ideas that really are out there. And I feel like are just kind of in that point where they need to be brought to life. And that's kind of whether it's something that I feel very strongly about from a political standpoint that I want to kind of help to give people the, the, the proper information or even something where maybe people are looking at something differently where I'd love to, to produce or have my company be able to, you know, be a part of something to start a movement. I mean, you look at the food movement. I'll just use this example real quick and mm, yeah. follow me here. So back in the day, you know, it, it was it was this thing about kind of, you know, the organic movement and and really kind of adapting to the way that we looked at our diets much differently than it is today. And I, I'd like to kind of say that the film movement had a lot to do with that. You had films like Supersize Me and right. Food Inc. and Food Matters and all these others. And it wasn't just one, but it was a series of so many of them. Who would think, you know, 10 years ago that you could go to a truck stop and buy, you know, organic or granola? It's interesting the impact that some of this information has with changing industry. Mm, I mean, you know, even in a bigger context of, you know, an inconvenient truth, love it or hate it, you can't deny that it didn't have a direct impact on, you know, shaping things for, you know, the, 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 the whole issue of understanding the global yeah. uh, base. It's, it's, it's a whole yeah. new world to me. And I'd like to say Al Gore, Dave Spoonheim, they had a role in that Absolutely. An Academy Award winning film. Yeah, right, right. I guess you want to have that kind of impact. It kind of makes me wonder, you know, when you look for projects, you know, are you looking for, you know, films that have, uh, a great storyline to have some type of importance, uh, you know, politically or just from a society standpoint? Are you looking for films that have, you know, festival and distribution potential? What draws your interest to a story in general? You know, I, I think the first thing is, is access. It's mm, like, yeah. I mean, you would be amazed. I mean, it's, it's kind of a running joke. Anywhere you go when someone realizes you're, I'm sure you deal with this too as a filmmaker, when they realize right. you're in that industry, everybody's got a story to tell. Mm, and everyone's mm. like, oh, I've got this uncle or I've got this, you know, this story of something that happened to me. And, you know, we all live through stories. But with all that being said, I think in the documentary space, the access is such an important aspect of this that really connects to a story that's unique, something that hasn't been told before, or something that's going to bring an audience to another space that they couldn't kind of understand or be brought to on their own. And I, I find that to be a really important aspect of things. The other thing too, is I think finding something that's unique that hasn't been done, because I feel like, right. you know, mm -hmm. we have this idea jar with hundreds of things in there, many we'll never get to. Yeah, but yeah. but with that, that's that's always that element of like, is this something that needs to be told now? Is this something that you know ultimately will have an impact to change the world? Because not every film that we take on is going to have that huge impact to bring someone to a whole new understanding of you know whether it, it's how they live their life or how they think about things. But but we can still try to tackle things in different ways, specifically with reaching audiences. I mean, I think of the example of one of our earlier films on the U.S. tax code. Mm, you know, right. we, we had to really come to this understanding. Are we going to make a film that endorses one element of reform or are we going to kind of more or less give people all that information and let them make a decision on their own? And, and I'll never forget this story where I was, I was at um, the NYU Law School doing a screening 
And at the end, this guy stands up in the back and he's like, I hate Mike Huckabee, but you had me agreeing with him. How did you do that? Right. And I kind of stopped for a second. I was like, I didn't do anything. You know, maybe my intentions with his interview and what we were doing with the questions we were asking, they weren't what you're going to see on, you know, Fox News or, you know, on, on a particular outlet that, you know, is on the other side. It's, it was so much more about let's get to the meat of things and really talk about things that maybe we do have a common ground on. Right. And you can have a movie with Noam Chomsky, Mike Huckabee and Steve Forbes, and they all kind of, you know, come to this realization to realize what the tax code should do. So in that example, which is just one specific one, yeah. I think that's true with everything. If you can do that, everything's not always going to be fair and balanced. But if you're, you know, if you're, your voice in the film or your voice in the program is able to bring someone to a particular place, it, it's a good spot to be in for sure. Oh, that's so true. Glad you brought up that film too, by the way, An Inconvenient Tax. It was certainly something that resonates with me. It's funny because I've heard previous interviews with you and people are like so why taxes and i'm thinking as a filmmaker why the hell not such a great topic it's so uh, important and so relevant and so necessary especially now it's still relevant i mean the tax code still is not bs if you ask me but <laughs> it's just crap and it's interesting to see what might or what will happen with the tax code uh, now with a, a new president um i'm sort of worried about it to be quite frank i'm just worried about it and i don't know how it can be a little bit more fair and i i love the idea of what you had proposed before about a consumption tax uh idea was kind of a really unique idea and i think this whole notion of tax fairness and and i think something we need to really strive towards and i wonder how to to really make taxes uh fair what would consist of fairness but i think it's great that you sort of explored this and amongst other things in that particular documentary. I know that's kind of going off tangent there, but it's just really unique, the power of what you're uh, utilizing this platform to do. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. And uh, I like this kind of material. It's uh, certainly material, I think, for folks that care and for those that don't care. I think it's um, probably informative. Uh, so. Yeah, it's interesting what you're uh, you're doing. I, I don't want to get too much into that, but there's so many things. I wish the show had existed uh, back when you released that because there's I could seriously pick your brain on some of the stuff that <laughs> I was brought up in that. But that's that's how you know it's a very good you know film. It certainly gets the mind stirring and uh, makes you think about things, and, and you get to see different perspectives. And I think that's one of the beauties of documentary filmmaking in general. Also, I, I want to ask you about your company. How did you come up with the name? Because I think it's actually a pretty nice name. No, you know, I, I, I don't have a. It's very simple, but it's a nice story for it. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's I, I can't even. I mean, life's just so quick. It's like you, you sometimes miss those moments of when things occurred. That was that kind of conception of this is, yeah, this is how it happened. But <laughs> I think it was, it was more or less just we were playing with a lot of the ideas around, you know, something that will embody the ability of storytelling. Mm and incorporate the elements of life. And I think the more exciting part of that is honestly more than the name, the, if I look back at all the you know iterations of what the, the logo became. Right. Yeah. I was just about to ask you about that. I guess it was like from <laughs> 2004 to, to now, and it's really grown into something, no pun intended. Yeah. But I, I'm really grateful with just the team we have because right. I feel like it's, it's just such a, a strong collaboration of so many people that are, you know, whether it's a part of a, one particular project or helping to develop things with 
the idea that you know they'll have a greater part of something when the when the piece is actually produced. It's kind of like a, a collection of artists almost, yeah. um, combined with people that have certain passions within one element of storytelling or in in a professional area, whether it's you know in in the marketing space or um, outreach and whatnot. So it's it's really a a fun you know a group of people that we kind of strive you know together to have, have good elements of storytelling and really kind of making the most with the reach of all of our films. Oh, it's fantastic. A diverse set of minds there. It's fantastic. Now, you do accept submissions. How does someone submit a project to you? And what type of submissions do you accept? Does financing need to be attached? What exactly are you looking for or are you looking at? You know, we, we get uh, submissions very often. I think that the main thing we're looking for right now is films that Maybe it's a first-time documentary filmmaker, and they've they've shot things, or they've got things in a post-production, you know, point where they're like, okay, I I feel confident with this, but I I feel like it's missing something, and that's where we like to come in and kind of collaborate with filmmakers and help them make decisions of what they can do to make that best documentary, and then more importantly, if it's something that's already done, and we're able to kind of come in and put that last ten percent into help or whether it's from a financial standpoint where they need help with, you know, crowdfunding or mm, right. maybe color correction, the score. I mean, those elements of things. There's also just the straight distribution end of it mm, right? Mm. because I feel like it's a very, we're at a very strange spot right now within kind of the way that we're, we're, we're viewing things. You know, there's been so much of a, a shift towards people looking at like Netflix as the Holy Grail because everybody has it now right. as the way that HBO has changed things. I mean, if you remember, you used to have to have cable and it wasn't a standalone app the way it is. Oh yeah, true, right. Mm-hmm. It's the same way everything's really turning to that. I mean, yeah. I think that it's also about making sure that, you know, you're able to reach that audience and really think about, you know, who your audience is and how you can make the most to bring them content. I think self-distribution is kind of this like, you know, a bad way of thinking of like distributing your film when ultimately sometimes it's the best way to distribute your film (laughs) because Mm -hmm. no one's going to find it when you pay whatever those aggregation fees are to get it on iTunes and Amazon where you're like, Oh, I made it. I got it to this point. But you know, if if you're paying all this money to put it on a platform and you're not reaching your dedicated audience, you've really kind of failed. And so that's where we really come in to make decisions with that to help filmmakers get their film to that, you know, distribution, you know, from, from the, the limited theatrical runs to full, full runs, all to making sure they make, you know, a, a good strategy that's best for reaching their audience. Oh, fantastic. We are going to talk about some of your recent films shortly here, but what would you like to see happen with the company? Any 2017 and ongoing goals from a growth standpoint that you care to share? Yeah, we've taken on a lot of films this year. And what we've done is we've kind of uh, crossed things over from just being a, a studio, Life is My Movie Entertainment, to opening up kind of a parent company called Documentary Go. Mm. And Documentary Go is something that we're envisioning as being just a platform in which people can go to watch documentary content. Nice. We're not trying to necessarily compete with like the Sundance subscription or Netflix or anything to that degree, but what we are trying to do is have a platform where people feel like they know they can come there to watch content in the digital space, on DVD, or even something with regard to potential like future subscription models or things that we would bring to the table. Oh, fantastic. And um, 
that's an exciting place because I feel like while there is a lot of focus right now on some of those big ones that I mentioned, there's still a lot of very niche followings for things. I mean, a good example of that is, uh, I don't know if you recall the film, Food Matters. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, they had a very successful run with a mm-hmm. sequel and other things, and they created a channel. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's a channel in which they're bringing people the content that are specific to the food space, and people pay a subscription to get all of that content. And I think that, well, that's a very niche example of kind of what I'm bringing there, I feel like there's there's lots of avenues for that. And that's what I'd like to really see come to the, the halfway point of this year that we're able to do a documentary go in order to make sure that it's helping us create kind of a, a, a platform that all of these films can, you know, live in and, uh, you know, bring to audiences. Oh, fantastic. It seems like with uh, film production in general, and especially in independent and uh, obviously having a production company uh, producing documentaries, you need to be flexible. So I think that's the only way you can survive in this uh, particular uh, market and be rather proactive about you know things like distribution and how to get that content to your audience and or audiences and to kind of create new audiences too as well, if you can do that. I think that's a really quite remarkable you know approach. So very cool what you're yeah. doing with that. I think I think it's it, it's interesting because I I feel like people are in, in the you know independent film world are kind of fed this idea of how indie film works and I mean I was just at Sundance uh, yeah, earlier right. this month mm-hmm. it, it's it's just it's amazing to think of like a festival that's prided as being this independent space that you know is supporting the independent filmmaker and this isn't a bash at Sundance in any right. way shape or form mm-hmm. I love it but it's not it's not an independent film that that whole idea of somebody, you know, building something on their own, getting a small budget and, you know, putting it to market. It's, it it doesn't happen anymore like that. And so the real examples of those independent successes are those built in audiences that they're able to, to reach and find Mm -hmm. a way to reach them. I mean, I I can, I'm not going to name off because I think they're bad examples of good films that weren't (laughs) done right, but I can, I can start (laughs) off like, several films that I thought were awful, awful films, yeah. but they made huge, huge numbers. And right. it's because they did a good job at marketing their content to their particular niche audience. And, you know, we try to do that with all of our films by doing it in an authentic way of like, kind of what does outreach entail? Mm, you right. can't throw it out there and hope people are going to find it. That's not the way things work. You have to, you know, have that engagement with them. And then even further with the distribution companies. I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful in some of the relationships that we've been able to kind of foster through years, international companies, you know, with knowing that our films are in Australia, Japan, and London, and, you know, Germany. But those didn't happen by just sending an email. It right. took years and years to kind of make those things come together, mm-hmm. in which now I feel like we're at such a good point in which it's, it's only going to get better as we continue to produce powerful, important content that will reach audiences around the world. Uh, salute to that. Now, Vincent, I think this is a good place here to take a short break, give our listeners a chance to reset and give you a chance to reset, sir. And then we'll come back from the break and discuss some of the recent projects you've been working on or have worked on. It's really fascinating stuff here. How does it sound to you? Sounds great. Thanks so much, Max. Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a short break here, folks. And then we're going to come back with more of Vincent Vittorio after this break. Do not go anywhere, folks. 
We will be right back. To the Cinema After Dark podcast here. We are continuing a wonderful discussion with Mr. Vincent Vittorio. And gosh, he is so kindly kind of taking us through the genesis of his wonderful company, producing some amazing documentary films. Life is my movie entertainment. And gosh, the role of a producer, you know, the types of content you're looking for or interested in. It's quite fascinating to say the least. And for this half of the discussion, sir, I do kind of want to switch gears here a bit and discuss your current slate here for 2017. So gosh, I'm going to kind of let you lead the way here and, and then kind of inform our listeners of you know, the types of projects that you have on the slate because uh, you seem quite busy. Thanks so much for, you know, letting me kind of jump through these. I, I think that you know, it's 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 an exciting time because we really have a lot of momentum going with some of the films that are, you know, still having traction. I think that the life of a film sometimes in the documentary space is different than that narrative space. And we're still having kind of this rebirth of sorts. I mean, I'll, I'll just hit on two things there with that. Yeah. With the recent change in, you know, power with Donald Trump as our, our, our new president, it feels still strange to say that. I know, right? Jeez. But like... You know, we had a film many years ago on American manufacturing, and it was it was very well received. It's called American Made Movie, and mm -hmm. it seems that there's all of a sudden this just increased demand for it because people are focusing so much more on the manufacturing space. And you know, it's actually it's it's, it's a very powerful film that you know emotionally connects you to understand kind of the impact that making things in America has to some of the communities. Really awesome story of a gentleman in upstate New York that you know, was, um, you know, faced with the adversity of companies going overseas for things. Uh, New Balance sneakers, for instance, a very strong storyline mm, in the right. film. They make sneakers mm. in, you know, the Northeast. So it's it's having this like resurgence the same way as, you know, uh, a film, The True Cost, which came out two years ago. You can actually see it on Netflix right now mm -hmm. that looks at kind of the impact of fast fashion and pulls back the the curtain, if you will, on kind of like what's going on in that space. I always like to think of it as the it's the food ink for the fashion world. I mm, hear people right. all the time that tell me, I hate you for, for being a part of, you know, bringing that to life because now I can't shop at H&M anymore, you know, <laughs> or, or other things. <laughs> but but they, they still have this this life to them, which, which to me is, it, it's beautiful because, you know, mm -hmm. when you make a, a film that came out three years or five years ago, like nobody's talking about it. It's, it the ship has sailed, but, mm -hmm. but documentaries aren't that way. Right. So... With that being said, we just actually, um, in September, we released a film, Incarcerating Us, on uh, prison reform. Right. And this was one of these examples. I'll go in a little bit of a tangent here. Incarcerating Us, uh, we were taking a look at kind of the privatization of the prison industrial complex and really kind of getting into that space on paper. And as we started getting into the research and development with a, a first-time director, Regan Hines, who did an amazing job, we started to realize that the story was much less about that 
And it was much more about some of the policies that were put in place that led to these mandatory minimums, these drug laws that were put in place. Mm, And we were able to really take some very personal stories of individuals that were able to kind of help the viewer understand the impact that some of these policies had in a negative way. And, you know, the film came out in September. It was an amazing, amazing release. We had a, a premiere screening at Georgetown University. Mm, yeah. We had a, a, a congressman, a federal judge. Um, I mean, just, just people that were like, you know, so a part of this, this issue and got them to really talk about what's going on currently right at the end of the, the screening. And it was, a, it was a really awesome, awesome conversation that I felt like really uh, made me feel like, you know, this is something that is a talking point that obviously we can create after the screening of a film. But I imagine that same thing can take place in the classroom or in the community center or things that people are kind of learning more about kind of what went into it. Because I mean, I learned so much through it. I think that my opinions have changed drastically with understanding kind of how some of the, you know, drug laws that are put in place have these impacts that just don't make sense. Right, right. Let me give our so, listeners you know, some context before you continue. Incarcerating Us is a feature-length documentary that exposes America's prison problem and explores ways to unshackle the land of the free through vital criminal justice reforms. With 2.3 million behind bars, the United States has the largest prison population in the history of the world. And that's just a little bit of a summary of what this film is about. Just give them a little bit of context, but please continue. Yeah, and, and, and people can um, go to our website, lifeismymovie.com, and they can actually watch the movie there as well as on Amazon and iTunes. And we actually have just started the development for the follow-up to this, which looks like it's going to be a documentary series wow. called Wrongful Convictions, in nice. which we're going to be looking at people that were wrongly convicted and at different phases of either things that are in the process of being overturned or looked into or the opposite side of that, where, you know, it's looking at the story backwards. So I'm um, excited about that. But right. um, that, that to the side, um, the, the other thing that we're, we're actually in the middle of right now is a really exciting kind of like experiment hybrid way of storytelling. It is called Untold America. And mm. Andrew Morgan, the director for The True Cost, you know, this is something that I feel like is uh, central to the issues that we're dealing with in the country today, really with the look at the change of power of looking at the, the faces behind these things and right. not necessarily trying to have a, a, a political discussion or that kind of middle of the road, we're going to try to be balanced. But, but really, let, let's explore the, the stories behind some of these big topics that we want to go into, whether it's poverty or whether it's you know democracy and like looking at what does that mean? Yeah. So we, we kicked that off next um i guess the the beginning of the month and it's only going to be done on facebook they're going to be weekly short pieces and i guess the go to facebook and look for untold america it's it's a really Mm. exciting documentary series that we'll be doing throughout the entire year oh my sounds fantastic and timely for that oh very much so i i get i get excited and and it's 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 similar to the news style in that you know we're continuing to kind of let the stories unfold based on, you know, what's happening in the country. So I think it's a great thing. The other one, which is a very niche focus, is this documentary called Untapped Together. Mm. And it looks at the dance community, specifically with the world of dance and the honest storytelling that's built specifically on the community of these dancers all over the world. And so I think that we focus in dance schools that are specific in the United States. 
but the impact that some of these really powerful stories of some of these dancers have is just going to be, you know, uh, it's, it's something that's going to work very well all over. So I, I feel really good about that. We're actually releasing it on national dance day, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, April 29th. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're super excited about that. And and the next one I want to bring up to you is extremely timely over some of the things that just occurred with presidency. And I'm, I'm a producer and I'm actually a co-director on this one. It's called warehouse Mm. and warehouse is refers to it's a, it's a derogatory term that's used specifically within the refugee community. When someone is actually trapped in a camp for 10 years or more without the right to work, generate income or move freely. And Mm. our documentary warehouse takes an intimate look at the plight of long-term refugees that are facing some of these horrible conditions. Right. And the lens focuses on the daily life and the unique challenges that some of these refugees are dealing with. We spent time in one of the world's largest refugee camps, Dadaab. Dadaab mm-hmm. is yeah. on um, the border of Ethiopia mm-hmm. and Somalia in Kenya. And um, we have one story of just an amazing story of an individual that really, you know, will, will humanize the idea of what we think about for the refugee. And it, 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 it's sickening because you... You see what's happening and people look and say, oh, well, that's not my culture. That's not my religion. That's not my, these are people. These are people that I feel like we really need to come together as not necessarily a country or community, but as, as one world. Mm, And, and I really hope that this film can have an impact along with all the other films that are dealing with this to get people to really understand that, you know, the, the vital role that these organizations are playing in people's lives to help people find a, 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 a home. Mm, and right. we are releasing it on World Refugee Day, June 20th. And we're going to be doing a live event in Washington, D.C. and do worldwide screenings around the world for free so that people can talk specifically about, you know, what's going on right now and what we can do to change things. So I'm, I'm super, super excited about that project. The next one we have is coming out in November, November 11th on Veterans Day, and it's called Unforgotten 24. Mm-hmm. So there are many veterans that were not granted the prestigious award of a military valor, the Medal of Honor, because they were minority, whether they you know, were kind of overlooked because of the way things were working at the time. And it was uh, three years ago that Congress kind of came together, and this was after many years of doing research on it. And they granted 24 individuals a medal of honor, not all of them living and their you know, relatives, some relatives that haven't even been able to truly even meet their, their, um, the person that got this award. They were given the medal of honor. And it's, right. it's, it's, a really, it's a really amazing story how, to kind of how it all came together and really shows that kind of like after this expiration of service and all these things that it's something that it, it puts a good closure to it. And it Absolutely. really shows that finally we can come together as, you know, when nation realized that like these people fought this heroic act for, you know, our country, for our freedom. Yeah. And that finally they're able to be, you know, recognized for that. Wow. Quite remarkable. Gosh, anything else? That's just uh, phenomenal. Yeah, so, How so, do so, you so the, the other one I'm, I'm, I'm super, super <laughs> excited about, and we are literally jumping into production. I'm hoping next week, the director's actually flying in and we have a sit down on Monday. Nice. It's called The New Breed. And The New Breed is a cinematic feature documentary that looks at three young social entrepreneurs as they create new businesses to help end poverty, fix inequality, and serve the environment. Nice. It's, it's, it's a unique me- hybrid documentary that's taking kind of more of a funny, entertaining look 
scattered throughout instead of your normal like talking head elements. Yeah. And it's shedding light on the global forces for globalization, wealth inequality, and poverty, both in the United States and around the world, to really find these easy ways that we can find solutions. Mm-hmm. The social entrepreneur movement is a weird, weird word. When I say it to people, they're like, well, well, what's a social entrepreneur? But then <laughs> yeah. I can point to an example and I say like Tom's shoes yeah. or, or I point to other things to say that like it's the idea of, well, we can still make profit. Mm-hmm. Companies can still do so much with the, the money to be able to truly make an impact on making the world a better place. Oh, absolutely. And it, it is, is an, it is, it is going to be an awesome film. I mean, it's, it's probably of all the films I've been a part of, it's one of those from the, the you know, from its, you know, the very beginning, I felt like this is a winner. Oh, um, yeah. I actually felt like it's Sundance when I was there and I'm, I'm in these meetings and I'm, 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 I'm watching some films and I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to be back here next year and I'm going to be back here the next year with, with this film. Oh, my. And so I've, awesome. I've never, I've never felt that way about yeah. something, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that this is, this is going to really have a, a strong impact on you know, people all over the world and, and specific to this country. Uh, yeah. The last one to bring up to you is called A Different Mind. Mm-hmm. So A Different Mind, it, it's, a, it's back to that example I mentioned in the first hour of like surfing a wave. You know, you, you come in with this idea and then you get out there and, and, and it doesn't all come the way, come, come together the way you thought. Right. And, <laughs> and I, I don't think that's necessarily a filmmaker's problem. I mean, I always like to quote Hitchcock here. Nice. He says that, like, you know, in a feature films, the director is God. Yeah. In documentary films, God is the director. Nice. <laughs> and it's, it, it's so true. You, this is one of these issues where we jumped in and we really felt like we understood where the story was taking us. And we have so many stories that came out of this and brought us to different places, only to realize that it's still something we're trying to explore. And the topic is looking at alternative methods of education mm, yeah. and the relationship between industry and education. You know, you, you ask kids today, like, what do they want to be when they grow up? And, you know, when you hear those answers, sometimes you have to think how realistic that is when we're past that stage of being those naive kids of wanting to be an astronaut <laughs> or an athlete, right. but you're finishing high school and you're <laughs> going into college. Yeah. And I think that there's a unique relationship between industry and education, which people are not identifying as what they do next in life to be a contributing member of society. And so we take a deeper look at the relationships between the career and the skills and the education required to perform those things. Mm, And it's, Mm -hmm. it's a unique kind of like story modules of jumping in and out of places all over the country in which there are unique things that are going on specific within education to really think about ways that we can't just say education's bad or test scores are the problem or, or even to the point that like people shouldn't go to college, but really just identifying kind of the different stories of people that are finding unique ways to, you know, intern or be a part of apprenticeships or, or even explore options at different times. People don't have to go straight from high school into college, you know, they can, Mm -hmm. they can go different routes to wait. And we have, you know, a lot of good examples of how people have done things a little differently. Oh, God, I love this stuff. You're killing me here. My God, such great content. Literally, uh, you have me uh, glued in here, and I'm sure our listeners feel the same way. These are just fantastic, fantastic uh, subjects. This is this type of material, I think, is what makes documentary filmmaking so wonderful. I mean, 
these are really, really good stories here. Stories that certainly are timely that need to be told. How in the hell do you do all this? My goodness. <laughs> are you cloned like 13 times over again? <laughs> I mean, it's quite remarkable. And uh, one of the things that kind of I'm curious about is, you know, when you're looking at projects, is there like a specific timeline that you're looking at in terms of the production process? And, you know, cause obviously with some documentaries, you know, some folks spend, you know, three months, some folks spend, you know, spend uh, literally five years or 10 years or 15 years acquiring the footage to tell these stories. Is there a, a kind of a scope or framework that you're looking to work within in terms of, you know, the types of models that you're looking for in terms of relevant stories and stories that you can actually get out in a, in a timely manner? You know, I, I've been lucky that I think the, the longest time frame has probably been three years. And even the one yeah. I was just saying how it's taken us in all these directions has only really been a two-year process. Right. That's still Fantastic. kind of coming alive. Yeah. It, it's so much about the topic because, yeah. like I said, it, it takes you in different places. And, you know, there's been points. Uh, I'll take the refugee one, for example. That's the longest time frame of anything. And the reason why is we didn't really have the funding when the film was done. Mm, you know, right. it was one of these that went way over budget and it kind of kept getting pushed back. And I think it's kind of, we're kind of grateful it, it did because if we would have released it, I don't think it would have had the impact or the significance that it will now. And I think that our main story actually unfolded into something much different than we imagined, which was a great, great adventure. I mean, making a murder is a great example of that. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was a, a lifelong project. I mean that, but they never even imagined it was going to be what it was. Right. I mean, they didn't think there was going to be a full doc and then it cut into a series. And you know, that that's, that's kind of the, the fun part that gets me so excited about documentary films. It's yeah. like you're entering into these worlds. And I know from the narrative space, you can, you can kind of have that same, you know, ability to, to craft the stories and, you know, create these characters, but with documentary, it's, it's, it's like the more information you come across or, you know, the, the, the closer you get to your subjects, the more you realize how it really needs to unfold and, yeah. and, and how you can truly communicate to your audience to either bring them to a world or get them to begin to ask questions that maybe they didn't think they would, you know, begin to ask themselves. Oh, so, so true. Wow. Ooh, you got me excited here. You get me fired up with all this stuff. My <laughs> God, by the way, in in terms of filmmakers that want to work with you, directors, what do you look for? Is it just that story? Do you look for folks that have somewhat of a track record? Uh, are you open to that first time director with a great story? I mean, there are a lot of people that are you know, looking to get these stories told and they may not think that they have the chops to do that. Kind of curious to see your perspective of that. Yeah. And, you know, on our website, there's a spot where people can email us and, you know, we're, we are a small company, even though we look a lot bigger on the internet. Right. You know, we, we respond to just about everything, you know, unless you're going to send us like hate mail and then we kind of just file <laughs> it away and try to forget it never happened. <laughs> but, but, you know, with that being said, it, it, it's really about the access point and the passion. Right. I think that passion goes such a long way. I mean, a great example of that is I remember having to pay someone to do a particular task in the office that was an admin. And, you know, it wasn't the same as that, like, you know, person that you got in here that truly cared about it, like an intern that, you know, became a position that was a paid position. It's, it, it's something about that spark that, you know, we all kind of understand in the space that keeps us going the late hours or, you know, makes the excuses for, for yourself when, you know, mm -hmm. my, my four kids are like, Oh, daddy, why can't we see this weekend? Because, Oh, I got to <laughs> focus on this project. But, 
right. it's it's so much about like having that that drive and that passion for it because I think we're in a time frame in which documentaries can really be done in so many different ways. There's so many unique ways you can tell the story. And if somebody is passionate about bringing something to life, they have access, I'd love to have them, you know, reach out to us and kind of present to us, you know, what it is that you have an idea. And as much as we'll respond, we'll also be really honest with you too and let you know, like, you know, this is great, but maybe you need to look at it from a different perspective or it might be hard to really, you know, fund this because you're trying to, you know, make out the FDA is the bad guy and they're very big and they'll kind of squish us and it's not worth the time. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's very much about kind of us trying to help people see if it's a worthwhile venture. Oh, fantastic. Now, Vincent, I've got to do something here to you that I do to all of my guests. And, you know, it's something that I certainly have saved just for you, sir, on this particular podcast episode, I mean, all these wonderful films you're doing, my goodness, Stuart, you know, reached out and tried to you know, set this up. So I've got to do this to you. It's something that I've got to torture you with. And <laughs> I need to ask you if you are, um, in fact, ready for it. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, you've got to kind of be ready for. The anticipation's killing me. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So you kind of just dive right in there. My goodness. No wonder you're so able to get so many wonderful projects off the ground. But um, hold on a second. You know, Vincent, I'm going to give you another second just to kind of let this <laughs> sink in here. And, you know, maybe you should do this. Maybe you shouldn't. I'm going to give you a second opportunity to opt out. I'm I'm, I'm up for the challenge. Oh my, well, <laughs> Vincent, now this is the part of the show where I ask our guests to share a fun fact about themselves. See, not too painful, right? Now, <laughs> this uh, fun fact should be anything that you're willing to share that people don't know about you. So a fun fact, something that people don't know know about you so when you see all those wonderful faces people that you collaborate with at your company they can't know this they get to look at you after listening to this and be like what <laughs> <laughs> a fun fact oh, gosh this is a hard one um <laughs> I, I, I i'm scared of the dark oh good stuff actually i can be a little freaked out of the dark too now what now that that's a really cool and interesting Fun fact, what specifically about the dark freaks you out? Is it the unknown? I, I think it's the unknown and, and the lack of control of the surroundings. And, and, yeah. and maybe the fact, too, I'm completely blind in the dark. Like, I'm yeah. one of those guys that I, I'll come in at night and, you know, trip over everything like it's a, <laughs> it's a bad scene in a sitcom. <laughs> Good stuff. Are you, uh, do you, do you believe in the uh, paranormal? You know, there, have you ever had any, uh, strange encounters or anything you know i i listen to way too much george nori oh my um, coast little coast to coast, to coast. Oh my. yeah and so i mean and especially <laughs> being in burbank california i right. i think one day i saw him on san fernando and i almost was that crazy fanboy that <laughs> ran gotta, up to him you, but you gotta watch I, out for nori i have some friends who know him very well he's a hugger you gotta watch out he'll give you a hug that's great but uh, yeah, that's that's fascinating. Very, very interesting. By the way, would you ever do a doc about, you know, something that's uh, paranormal? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I sort of few things in that idea jar. It's yeah. just the sad part about being so busy sometimes is that, you know, you have to learn to say no to certain things. True. Yeah. But at the same time, it always comes at like a compromise of like something else. You've only got so much time. And, you know, I, I, I have four kids and a, and a wonderful supportive wife. Oh, fantastic. But it's hard to divide all that and make the time for things to be able to, you know, enjoy life because it goes quick. I'll be, I'll be 37 I was thinking about this in, right. in March and I'm just like, my gosh, I'm, I'm an old man. You know, it's like, what, what happened? I know. Where does time go? It just flies. Yeah. I think even out here, it, I think time seems to go 10 times as fast when you're working in the industry. I mean, it is just yes. nuts. I don't even know. It's like a blur sometimes, isn't it? No, without a doubt. And that's yeah. why, you know, you, you make the most of the, the, the moments. I think that's, that's, that's what it, that's what it's all about. No, that's so, so true. Such a great piece of advice and point right there. I think that's a good life lesson and, uh, the dark. So folks, you know, some of your, uh, your colleagues there, they need to, uh, definitely pull a prank or two there. That's, uh, that's prank material. You've, you've given them some ammunition to, uh, <laughs> pull a little prank there on you, sir. <laughs> but, uh, what a great fun fact that is. That's, uh, quite fascinating to say the least. Gosh, before we wrap here, let's plug God, anything that you would like, obviously starting with your website, Twitter. How can folks keep in touch with you? Your yeah, company? yeah. F- find me on Twitter, two V, and uh, our our website, lifeismymovie.com. You know, I I think it's it's really an exciting time. We have so many you know just amazing projects coming out, as well as even just the past work. I mean, we've got right. you know a catalog of nearly twelve films that I feel like are very unique. I mean, you know, you might have a certain political belief or a certain, you know, thing that you, you, you know, you're, you're a fanboy of, but I think we'll probably cover it in our catalog in some way, shape or form. So I, I really encourage people to come out. And then also what you mentioned before, if there's, there's people that have ideas or they have access or even something that they're working on, we love to collaborate. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about, you know, what we're able to do in this day and age. It's not getting a certain budget or being of a certain class that we're able to say, oh, that's the only way we can we can we can create films. Right. And I, I, that's exciting. So we'd love to be a part of helping somebody in any way, shape or form. So definitely reach out to us. We'll make sure to um, you know respond and, and help you however we can. Oh, salute to that, sir. It has certainly been a treat having you on this program. And folks, make sure you check out life is my You can also follow the company at life is my movie as well and is there any advice vincent that you would like to share with someone that might be listening to this podcast but maybe they don't have the courage maybe they don't have the resources like you just mentioned there but uh, maybe they want to do it what you're doing right now you know maybe they want to make documentary films is there any advice you would give that individual that may need a little bit of encouragement i think that like making is the best part of learning how to do this. It's not about reading or like strategizing or doing whatever. I mean, like take out your iPhone and make something. I mean, I I had a great experience this weekend. I, my uh, oldest daughter is nine years old and I got a camera and I've never really kind of pushed her into any particular area. And I I brought her out to route 66 Oh, cool! and she shot her first little documentary. Right. I didn't push and she literally asked the questions to people nice. and uh, it was, it was a great experience. And there was a moment that I stopped there and I think that like, well, this is my daughter and though this is someone that's younger. <laughs> Anybody can do that. Yeah. I mean, you, you just grab your iPhone, grab your, 
I mean, there, there's, there's so many opportunities and then, you know, craft it into something. I mean, I think that, you know, the sky's the limit, the way that people can use technology now to make beautiful and important things. It's, it's so exciting. Oh, that's so, so true. My God, sir, you've got me all fired up here and excited. I love this independent film thing. I love this film thing in general, don't you? I can tell you do. Without a doubt, it's great. I, oh, I, I love I love living in L.A. for that reason. It's just it's, it's such a great community of people. And yeah, yeah. yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, I've got to have you back on the show, particularly. I'd love to talk about some of these individual projects and in more detail as we move forward. You're, you're working on some fantastic work. And uh, I really appreciate you kind of taking us through the genesis of your company and also the slate and the types of projects that you are uh, obviously pursuing in this year and uh, moving forward it's it's really quite uh, remarkable to say the least so hats off to you and your crew and everybody that's making these stories come to life and yeah certainly would love to bring you back here in the future and it has been a treat having you on this podcast here today so no well thank you so much max i appreciate it and uh yeah thanks for having me and yeah, I'll look forward to grabbing coffee with you sometime soon in person. Oh, my God. I would love that. That is that is absolutely something that we will do. And uh, shout out to Stu again. <laughs> really appreciate the setting this up and facilitating everything. And, uh, yeah, have a wonderful rest of the night here, sir. And uh, I think it's time to fade out. What do you think? Sounds good. I'll turn on coast to coast now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Vincent Vittorio. Make sure you check out Life is My Movie Entertainment. They are working on some fantastic, fantastic stories. And I'm telling you, documentary filmmaking is quite, quite powerful. On that note, we will be back with more after this break. You are listening to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole and I host this show. Hopefully you are feeling inspired. It's been a wonderful time this evening. I want to thank you for listening to this program. Make sure you tell someone how to follow this show on Twitter at Cinema After Dark. You can also subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Again, thanks for listening. We'll be back with more shortly. And welcome back to the program here tonight. Before we wrap, I want to thank our guest tonight, Mr. Vincent Vittorio. What a great discussion that was. Make sure you check out everything he's doing over at Life Is My 